And that's not the order of things. When you encounter Jesus, when you realize who he is and what he's done for you, that will produce in you a desire to walk in an upright way. It's not like you have to be good enough for Jesus to go, mm, all right, you know, you've been pretty good lately, gotten straight A's, all right, you, you, can, you can come in. You're listening to If That Makes Sense, it's Family Life's podcast for young adults about what life is like following Jesus. My name's Tim. I'm in Family Life's radio department. I'm Mary. I'm in radio production. I'm Jesse, and I'm also in radio production. Yeah, and we have all gotten to chime in before on this series. We're going through the book of John, and today we're getting to go to a familiar episode, a place that we kind of maybe have a, a visualization what it looks like in our minds, but it's Jesus and the woman at the well as she gets called. So without further ado, because I'm sure there's going to be plenty for us to tackle here, as they say, we're jumping right in on John chapter 4, doing verses 1 through 26. So John chapter 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about noon, says my Bible study note. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, 
I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Ooh, there's epic stuff here. There's a lot. There's a lot we probably want to jump in at the end with. But it starts in a really interesting place. What are we thinking of when we're talking about Samaritans? These people who are nearby where where Jesus does his ministry, but like they're a different group. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this is how it goes. The Samaritans were the people that when Babylon took over, were kind of that that took over uh, the land that used to belong to the Israelites, right? So there was kind of this grudge of like, you guys were living in our houses, you were plowing our fields, and the Samaritans were like, I, I don't know, you guys were taken away. We you just kind of came in. And, <laughs> yeah, I think anyway. I I believe that's the historical yeah. grudge that they kind of hold. I do know that they're basically shunned by the Jews, and they're not supposed to talk to them. And especially this story is really interesting because not only are Jews and Samaritans not supposed to talk to each other, but in the Jewish culture and probably in just the general culture of that time, when a man talks to a woman, Mm. that is a big no-no, especially when there's the only two that are there. Right. Because that implies a lot of things. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not done. You just don't do that. If you are there and then a person of the opposite gender is there, you don't talk to each other. You You, need a chaperone. The other doesn't exist. Yeah. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Yeah. And to say nothing of whether there's wisdom for that in our own day and age, we'll leave that aside for another (laughs) podcast and for other people to talk about. Different conversations. here and then, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Like just thinking about ancient the the world was so different. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that would have even later we'll see in this this scene <clears throat> where they are surprised his disciples when they come back and they're like, they're "What's like, Jesus doing talking to a woman?" Right. Um, and unfortunately, probably some of that comes back to the fact that women were less valued in society, seen as less mm-hmm. uh, in, in some ways. In some ways, I guess you could say men were men were kind of uh, seen as the more important whatever. So who knows what's going on in his disciples' heads there. And I guess maybe that's part of this whole thing is to say, who knows today what was going on entirely in in their heads. Mm. We know enough to know that this is a meeting of two people that normally wouldn't be talking together. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is having a conversation with somebody who he's quote, not supposed to, mm-hmm. quote, quote. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's supposed to be supposed to be division between them. <laughs> Look at that. Jesus is breaking rules. Um, <laughs> I think it's also a really cool story for us to look back on because a lot of the pushback that any religion, but um, Christianity in particular, um, gets is that women are are nothing. They're not supposed to talk in church and you know like they're they're pushed lower than the men but if you look if you read the bible and especially where jesus is concerned he goes so far above and beyond what Mm. is culturally acceptable to reach out to women like throughout his Mm -hmm. whole life there's so many stories of of jesus like noticing them and and making sure that they feel loved and and healing them as well and um that was just not done 
it, it, like women were were completely ignored in that mm. time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just think it's really cool that God um, put those stories in the Bible for us to see today that he does care about all of his children. Yes. You have the woman with the, the issue of blood. And mm-hmm. actually a few chapters later in John, uh, just after this, you have the woman caught in adultery who's brought to Jesus and let wow. he who is without sin cast the first stone. Right. Hmm. That's not far from the story we're on right now. Yeah. If if there is a presentation that people can come away with in the Bible that women are less important than men, it's not because the Bible is supporting that view. It's not because God is mandating that view. If anything, it's only that the Bible is describing the view that culture has had in the past. Right. And mm-hmm. frankly, culture has today in a lot of different ways, too. The Bible is always going to be countercultural. So just because something's happening in the Bible doesn't mean that it's what the Bible is affirming or saying, oh, yeah, this is the way it should be. Look right. down on these people. No, because here we have the author stepping into the story. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's doing things totally different than the people around him. Right. Apart from the woman being a woman and a Samaritan, the big meat of the story that you have to talk about when talking about the woman at the well is her history and who she was. She had had, what does Jesus say here? She had had five husbands and the man she was with now wasn't her husband. So not only was she a Samaritan, we don't associate with them. Not only was she a woman, you don't talk to her alone at the well, but uh, she had quite the history. And that's, I guess, something that a normal person just looking at her might not know, but Jesus knew. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, throughout John, but this story especially, Jesus associates and like specifically, I don't want to say targets, um, but he, he like spends time with and talks to people who have had just a messed up life. Mm-hmm. Five husbands in the man you're with now isn't your husband. You were caught in the act of adultery, uh, tax collectors, sinners, but he takes the time to go to that individual person and make them a part of the story. I mean, he tells her by the end that he's the Messiah. And this is kind of where his, <laughs> I don't want to say where his ministry starts because he did stuff before this, but this is really what. This is when he starts off. actually telling people. This is when he really starts. Yeah. And yeah. he tells her like, you know, I am he. Yeah. Well, and she is, it's so cool how God writes his stories because she was not only Samaritan, she's not only a woman, but she was shunned by even her own community. Mm-hmm. She was at the wow. well wow. at noon, which is like the worst time to go on oh. a long walk oh, in the summer true. in the sun. There were no other people there, which means that she was not in a community within her own town, her own she, – she didn't have – people that she could come alongside and God saw her and said hey I see you you're not alone I'm here for you yeah specifically yeah (laughs) oh my goodness and and that's so cool because it's and I've just got to point this out that it's not like Jesus changes the character of the God we know in the Bible he's the clearest representation absolutely of who of what God's heart is Mm -hmm. but even if you look in the Old Testament That's a bit of a sidebar, but I'm sorry. I'm going back to Genesis where a a woman who is a slave and cast away by her husband uh, or or just her guy, not even really officially husband, um, Hagar, she's cast out by Mm -hmm. Abraham and and Sarah. She's 
left in the wilderness and the desert, again, hot sun woman out there by herself to die basically. And God shows up to her mm-hmm. and um, provides for her. It's like, wow, God has seen the total outcast of outcasts all along. And that's his character. So I know I'm kind of jumping back in time to do that. But it's all the Bible. It's all back in time. So I think it's fair. It's fair game to go there. Another thing about this being God seeing her where she's at. We're saying that because Jesus is seeing her where she's at and Jesus is God. Um, It's part of how the Trinity works. But what we also know about Jesus is he's fully man. He's Mm. fully human and he's fully divine. There are some interesting things about that in this chapter. First of all, he's there because he's thirsty. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, people get thirsty, yeah. human beings. And he was very, tired. A very tired. natural feeling to have. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing thing. Hmm. He had to stop for a break. And, well, of course, he probably, th- th- there's a greater ministry purpose to this than just drinking water. Mm-hmm. But we can't ignore that. There, Like a couple things just about Jesus' humanity and his also being God that were really interesting to me because the chapter starts by saying, now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making more disciples than them, yada, yada, um, Jesus learned that. That information came to him at some point. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. Like, he didn't just God download that into his head. <laughs> he learned that. <laughs> yeah. He learned things. But there are other things that he knows in a way that a regular person doesn't know. Like when he says, oh, yeah, go get your husband and let's talk. And he's just totally testing her. Yeah. It's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, I know. You've had five. <laughs> you know, Trick it's, question. It's like his humanity and his divinity. It's just amazing to think about the God we serve who totally understands and sees us where we are at because mm-hmm. he's literally been here as a human being. And think about this. This I have never thought of it this way before. We're reading through the chapter. This came to me. His humanity is all that she saw when she came to the well. Hmm. And of course, her perspective completely changed by the time she left. But when she arrived, imagine you come up to a well and you see a person who their their people traditionally don't like you. So here's this person who's just going to bully me. Uh, probably kind of ragged looking. Jesus wasn't by any means rich. Right. Sitting by the well. It says he, he was resting by the well because he was tired and thirsty. So you've got this kind of raggedy guy that you are under the impression he's not going to like you. I don't like him. We have beef sitting by the well. He, you know, she probably, I hate to use the word judged because it's got this, um, it's been overused, but she, she's probably judging this guy. Yeah, right. And that's that's all she sees. And it makes me think of the verse that says, how you treated the least of these is how you treated me. Like mm-hmm. She had no mm-hmm. idea, no idea that that was the son of God sitting there. <laughs> probably thought the complete opposite. But lo and behold, it just kind of goes to show like it, Jesus was not a, you didn't see him and go, oh, oh my goodness, right, oh, right, what an right. angelic man. Yeah, <laughs> That's you such know? an interesting perspective flip because I've never thought of what she saw the situation from, from her eyes. I never saw how she saw the situation, mm. but she was probably like, oh. Like, you don't know, when you're me. doing stuff and you're in a mood and you're just like, I don't really want to talk to anybody. Like, I've, I've been there. I know how that feels. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And you see someone and you're like, 
have to talk to this person now because it's socially acceptable. <laughs> um, well, in, in her case, she probably could have gotten away with not talking to Jesus. But True. then he initiated the conversation and she goes, oh, really? And he asks <laughs> her for a drink, which <laughs> yeah. I imagine he could have gotten one himself realistically if she's getting one. So it must have been kind of annoying. Well, it's weird. Let's talk about that, the weirdness of that. Again, it's it's an ancient context. Like we don't maybe know all the cultural stuff that his first readers did, but John lists this like we should know what this means. Uh, verse seven and eight. Give me a drink. Then parentheses for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Implication. I'm guessing the implication is like well, obviously Jesus' disciples would have done this, right? But he had to ask somebody else to do it. I like to think maybe because. When we're talking a little bit further down in the passage when he's talking to her about living water and she says, you don't have anything to draw from to get the living water. So how are you getting living water? And so I'm wondering if it has something more to do with she had the tools that were Mm -hmm. necessary to use the well and he didn't because the rest of his group went into town to get food. They took the they, buckets. They t- <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> they took the buckets. But I don't know. I, I mean, and that's something that we can only speculate. But I love what you just did there, Mary. You just exampled for us or exemplified good biblical study because you use the Bible. No, really. You use the Bible to interpret the Bible. I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. Why did he ask her? But you went later in the context <laughs> and were like, well, let's look at what the Bible says. <laughs> she She's basically like, you don't have a bucket. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> she did say that. He's, so, yeah, that's really interesting. And that's actually just like a really good thing to keep in mind that if the Bible's making you scratch your head, well, sometimes the Bible will also be what fixes that itch, too. So <laughs> I really like that a lot. There is something super wild about the fact that they have this conversation because she starts by saying to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Like she's saying, everything about this encounter says, you should think you're too good to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Or you should at least know that I'm not going to want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Jesus replies, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So mm-hmm. she's saying to him, I-, I thought you were too good to talk to me. And he's saying, on the contrary, if you knew who I was. You would ask me to serve you. Yeah. You'd, ah. you'd realize that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for. That's, that's what I so want to cool. do. Like, I'm so good that that's what God wants to give you. Mm-hmm. So I love how he's basically telling her, like, oh, boy, before <laughs> we're done here. You are going to see a version of God that you've never understood before that is better than anything you ever imagined. Hmm. And uh, then they get into the whole living water thing that basically she can have eternal life by understanding who he is and knowing that he is the answer to like everything that people have longed for, everything that people have tried to find which is basically a connection with God. Like that's what people are after. And he's saying, I am that. I think it's really cool that she knows to be looking for someone. Hmm. 
because of the the separation of the Samaritans and the Jews, there's there's a real dark line right there. But they are also looking for the Messiah, the Christ. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, they thought that he was going to kick Rome in the tush and <laughs> yes. free the land. Yeah. Which I don't think anybody liked Rome right. besides the Romans at this point. Sure. Yeah. The fact that they are a people who have a divided homeland and don't have just a, a peaceful borders, peaceful security. They're looking forward to some figure who's going to change all of that. And I love that she like she tells us what she's hoping for. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And... um. That's really, really, really neat to me because she is somebody who isn't looking to a Messiah just to be a political figure. Mm-hmm. She is not one who has her hopes set in somebody who's just going to kick out the oppressive government regime mm-hmm. that they might happen to be under or whatever mm-hmm. the problem was, you know, fix, fix their problems like that. She's looking forward to a Messiah who will tell us all things, who will give us the truth will lead us into the truth about who God is and how we can worship him. Because that's the discussion that she's having. Mm-hmm. She basically right. has a theology discussion with Jesus. Hey, why don't you tell me, you know, you rabbi guy, um, <laughs> why do you guys say that you worship God where you worship him? Because we think we worship the same God uh, over here in, in this place that's holy to us. Mm-hmm. She's after knowledge of the living God. She wants to connect with God and she believes that the Messiah is going to do that. I think Jesus sees that, and that's why he chooses to reveal himself to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because she was so righteous. Oh, it's because she was so uh, well-esteemed in her society. It was because she was of such political advantage. No, none of those reasons no. are why Jesus said, I'm telling you first that I'm the Messiah, that mm-hmm. I'm the Christ, that I'm the chosen one. He tells her, such mm-hmm. an unlikely person, but her heart was looking for who God really is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that just reminds me of when um, Jesus says that man looks at the heart, um, but the Lord knows. Or it's not the man looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, And it's so cool because only Jesus would have been able to know who would be the right person to say for the first time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am the Messiah. Yeah. And because in our eyes, obviously, we would find the most high up uh, in power person we could and be like, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Of course, God knows best, and he is the best author of of our story. And I think mm. it's so cool when he uses those twists that are obvious to him. But to us, we're like, what? why would you talk to this mm-hmm. Samaritan person who's shunned by even her own community? No, you can't oh, tell me. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, I see I see now in, in hindsight what's going on here. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell me Peter wouldn't have been like... 
mud on my shoe. <laughs> we don't even talk to her. Jesus, Jesus, please come this way, away from this creepy woman. Right. right. Uh, Look, I got the bucket. Let's just go somewhere else. I got else. the bucket, yeah. By the way, which one of us will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Have you decided oh, that yet? Oh, got no. their heads in the wrong place. The disciples yeah. all the time. All the time. And, and so do we. Because yeah. look at this. Which one of us would have Jesus' response to this woman who is a, as far as we can tell, I mean, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but she's a serial adulterer or something. Something is really out of whack in her life. Mm. Um, I, I apologize if I'm misunderstanding her from, from, you know, this point in history. But, like, she was, things were not perfect in her life. And what often is our modern response to people who we see that have sin? When we look at a group of people, we'll say, well, let's make sure that they know first and foremost how entirely wrong they are, and then we'll mm-hmm. see if the gospel works for them after that. Yeah, I think it's less that people need to be shown what's wrong and more that they need to be shown what is right. Yes. Like, show them the character of God. This woman, Jesus didn't, like, stand up to her and call her out like, hey, you, you serial adulterer, right. have you no shame? Right. You've had five husbands. He was kind to her and showed her who he was. And I think when people come into contact with Jesus, with mercy and grace, that automatically makes you realize just how low you are. You see all of the dirt in your life. And I think if you if you start off with, woe is you, you horrible sinner, you're not worthy of anything, That that that's not where you want to be. You know, no, that's not the, that's not how you want to introduce somebody to Jesus. Absolutely. And do we really think that Jesus, is there any way that you could come away from this passage and come and get the understanding? Oh, Jesus is okay with adultery. No, you know, he's not okay with it. Of course, And she knew that too. Right. And he didn't need to put that on the front of his introduction Hmm. to the gospel in order for her to get the picture. Um, what was her life like after this? Well, we know that she was crazy about Jesus and spreading the message because she was super, we're going to see that in our next episode. But it wasn't as if she said, oh, great, God approves of my lifestyle. I'm going to keep doing it. No, no, of course not. No, I don't think, yeah, that's not the understanding we get here. But it also wasn't the first thing Jesus needed to lead with Mm. in order for her to see who God was and the love that he already had for her. So, it, and it's not as if he doesn't address this. Like true. he does mention, like, true. yeah, the man you're with now is not your husband, and you've had five of them. He doesn't like, oh, never. We ignore that. We don't need to it's talk okay. about that. Like, Good he, point. He acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. Good point. He does it in such a compassionate way. Hmm. Like I think, well, first of all, his first words to her are, "Will you give me a drink?" which is such a gentle, Hmm. kind thing to say to someone who, like we were talking about earlier, has such animosity towards, you know, the opposite, uh, like Jews versus Samaritans. And he just asks her for a favor. She's like, what What is going on here? (laughs) What in tarnation? (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't think, I don't think that someone in that, part of their life is used to people being kind to them. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus shows his ultimate kindness and mercy, of course she's going to be excited. 
Yeah. And of yeah. course she's also going to be open to whatever he says. Like just the just the way that he introduces himself and um relates to her. Of course she's going to listen to what he has to say. Of course she's going to be excited about it. And of course she's going to go tell people about it. Mm. And we get to do that. Like if we're inspired by Jesus having that approach to this situation, well, we can do something about it. We can live like that. We can, we can have a disarming compassion and kindness and understanding to people who know that we're Christians and yet we respond to them in a way that they never expected a Christian to. Right. And we can acknowledge the fact that there is something, like you pointed out, Jesse, we can acknowledge that there's, that there's something that isn't perfect in their life, that's broken in their life, but we can do it with such understanding and such obvious love for who the person is that it does the same thing in their life, that it shows them who the Messiah is, that yeah. it shows them who Jesus is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bringing it to today, like you're you're saying, I I'm I'm thinking about the times where I've encountered people who I for sure know are not Christians and for sure are not living in an upright way. My first very human reaction would be to point out all of the things that are wrong. Mm. I would want to be like you are obviously doing drugs, like, <laughs> or, or whatever, <laughs> right, whatever. Right. You, you are obviously not going the right way. That's not what Jesus does. And I think that um, it took a lot of humility for him to not immediately start pointing fingers. And I think that that's something that I personally need to work on is go, instead of observing what I'm seeing at face value, I need to be invested in their heart and their personality and who they are and see them through Christ's eyes because he looks at the people who are lost as people who are lost who are to return. Mm, Yes. Lost in order to return and Mm -hmm. have a story. I think the biggest misconception is that you have to be upright and and live in a moral way to follow Jesus. And that's not the order of things. When you encounter Jesus, when you realize who he is and what he's done for you, that will produce in you a desire to walk in an upright way. It's not like you have to be good enough for Jesus to go, mm, all right, you know, you've been pretty good lately, gotten straight A's, all right, you, you, can, you can come in. When you follow him, when you realize just how far you've fallen and how high up he is and how there's no way you can pay the debt, and you realize that he's paid it for you, asking nothing in return, that's when the desire is produced in you to, Jesus is the Lord, I want to serve him, I want to follow his commands. And uh, I think Jesus shows that well here with, you know, like we've been saying, acknowledging, yeah, there's sin, there's something wrong. But it's not, it's not as if I'm asking you to be perfect before I love you. Right. I love you as you are. Yes. Follow me. 
thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one. Thank you.